From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for, uh, what is today? Today is the first day of the NFL draft. Uh, whatever it is, it's a Thursday in April. Um, 25th, I believe, Brent? That is, is it? right. Yes. I'm shocked you know what day it is, considering how um, how how crazy your month of April has been. I got uh, some sleep. I finally slept uh, Monday, so I'm, I'm good. We're ready to roll. <laughs> anyway, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, joined by Golf Channel producer Brant Packer, um, who has had a whirlwind, to say the least, April. Um, and he's back on Teeing It Up uh, to talk about it. Welcome back, Brant. Thank you. Always fun to be back and talk with you. Yes. All right. So let's get into this. And and by the way, just so that everybody out there knows, the one disclaimer that I'll put out there is the one restriction I have as the interviewer is I can't ask about any internal Augusta National um, negotiations. Frankly, I don't care about them, so that's not a big mm. deal. But that is just for, for full transparency why you won't hear about, you know, was the rights fee five dollars or five billion dollars? I have no idea, and I don't care. I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> two of us, which is great. Yeah, there you go. All right, so let's start here. You have produced drive chip and putt from the beginning. Yep. The Masters is in your blood because of your family. You've been on the ground. You get that mm-hmm. phone call that says, "Brant, you're producing the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur." Just the weight of that moment, what went through your head? Uh, I got a phone call. I landed in Reno on Tuesday night uh, to do the PGA Tour event in August. And Molly Solomon, our executive producer, had called me. And I knew something was up because she had she had texted, call me ASAP. And uh, let me backtrack. We were at the Open. Uh, a couple weeks prior to that and all the Augusta National folks were there and you know we were waiting and wondering when it was going to happen and uh, weren't sure but yeah she called me and um, yeah my mind just started racing Um, how many days are we broadcasting where are we doing it Uh, you know I mean I I didn't sleep that night because literally just the, the way my mind operates was okay, what do we need to do? How do we need to get this done? And then I started thinking about, okay, let's really dive into the field. You know, how many selfishly, from from my perspective, because we didn't know announcers or anybody else in that perspective, um, how many of the players will I know? You know, how many of the players, uh, how many of their games will I know? You know, how many of them do I need to study? How many will I know what their shot shot shapes are? Um, You know, all those things start coming in. So, and then you start laying the foundation and, and the, the work of, okay, now what needs to, to go in to, to get this done. Um, and really from August to April is not a lot of time to start from scratch. And, um, you know, I had pleaded, I want to keep doing the drive chip putt. And we all kind of joked about it. It wasn't a matter of an ego or, hey, look, I can do both. I, I just, I love that project. You know, I mean, there's a couple, between the NCAA championships and the drive chip putt, um, you know, there's a couple that, that I, I am so, you know, you start from scratch on something. Um, you know, and I had already started work on drive chip putt. So, you know, we had kind of figured out a plan to, to, for me to be able to do both. Um, and it worked out great. It was a lot of work, but it, it, was, it was worth every second. All right. So um, part of what makes Augusta National uh, different and, and, and part of what makes this event different is that no matter if you're watching in Japan, the United States, or South Africa, you're looking at the same pictures, 
take a, a shot by the same CBS cameraman from the same towers every single year. I mean, I, I would bet those towers are, are probably in the exact same spot to a centimeter to where they are year after year after year. And the first thought that popped into my mind when when this came about last year is, oh my God, you're going to have to tap into the CBS infrastructure and the CBS load-in is going to have to happen earlier probably than normal. So now, from a technical perspective, you as the producer, you're probably thinking, oh my God, not only do I have to do this inaugural event, not only do I have a, a field of people who I don't know, you've now got one of the rarest things in the sports industry, which is you are producing something for one network, NBC, using a lot of the infrastructure of a completely different network, CBS. So what was that process like of figuring out, all right, how are we actually going to put this on the air? Um, it, it was a lot, but the first thing I'll say is, is it, it, it's the golf world is such a small world that a lot of the technicians overlap. Um, you know, I started at CBS, so working with all their technical folks, Steve Gorsuch, uh, Nick Cap. You know, I, I grew up with these guys, so for me, it was a lot of fun to be able to reconnect mm-hmm. with them, and and they were unbelievable to work with. I mean, our I think Ken Goss and Ryan Susie and our technical staff. Um, would be the first thing that that you would say. I mean, you know, because I got it from a lot of people. Oh, how's CBS going to be? They were great. I mean, they were tremendous. So we, we pretty much shared everything. We uh, we used our own mobile trucks in the TV compound. Um, so everything kind of came out of well, not kind of, but everything did come out of our trucks. But they were tremendous. Um, and then you know, we went there. When did we go? August twenty second, I think, was our initial meeting, and. Um, you know, went over where, because normally you do a survey and, and you kind of dictate where everything goes. Right. When here it's, they've had the same spots, which is tremendous. Um, and so a lot of it had to do with a little bit of chicken and egg in terms of, okay, here's the infrastructure. And then, you know, we obviously want to make it look different. How do we make it look different? And then we got to factor in, we're not going from the same spots that the men play from. So we really need to dive in and do some work in terms of, okay, what's the what's the layout? You know, where are they going to play from? Where are they going to hit it into? And, and the women's game has, has much more bigger dis- uh, disparity of yardage than the men's game does. You know, I mean, Maria Fossey from Arkansas, she hits it a legit 285. You know, and there are a couple. Zoe Campos probably hits it 220. You know, I mean, so you're talking a 65-yard difference. So when you start mapping out your, um, and that's a bigger difference than Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson. You know, mm-hmm. or even Brian Gay and Dustin Johnson. That's not 65 yards. So yeah. there was a lot that that went into that. Um, you know, the par threes are the par threes. But um, and I, I credit the Augusta staff, uh, Mr. Heiler and. The setup that they had was absolutely perfect, and you know we started getting an understanding early on of how they were going to, in terms of where they were going to play it from. Um, you know, we didn't know going in uh, where the whole locations were or anything like that. So, um, and then talking to some some teams that had played there in the past and kind of picking their brains, there was a lot of work done in terms of hey, what did you have into there, and what was where was the wind, and what what tees did you play from. Um, so it, it, it was a lot of work, and, and you know, every time that we found it overwhelming, we turned it into a positive, saying, "Man, this is great!" You know, you get to do something from scratch, um, and the pressure of making it right the 
first time out is, is pretty cool. And, and, you know, the folks that we've worked with at Augusta National, same ones from the drive chip putt who are, who are tremendous to work with, you know, they had pressure too. They had to get it right the first time out. Um, so that, that, instead of that being a burden, that was a lot of fun. Interesting. Talking to Brant Packer here on Teeing It Up. So, um, you know, one of the things you talked about was uh, trying to figure out which teams and which players have played there. And, 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 obviously, and, and obviously Jennifer Cupcho and Wake Forest had played there before and had the advantage. For you guys as a crew... Were the camera people and the sound technicians and all of those, were those your folks or were those CBS folks? We shared a majority of everyone. Okay. So there, there were some, and you know, honestly, we shared some from our drive chip putt crew as well. Mm. Um, some camera operators and a couple camera camera folks. Um, so it was, uh, it was a little bit of everything. So, so but, but again, it's such, I mean, there are very few people... Um, you know, because it's such a freelance world. Right. They're very between John Del Vecchio, our director, and myself, and all of our technical side and our our production people. There are very few people that you haven't worked with or don't know somebody that has worked with them. So, right. You know, it's a lot of the same faces, and which which made that fun too. So, where I was going with that is. You've got a wealth of Augusta National knowledge on your crew, not just from people like you who have watched it forever and and have been there forever, but people who have actually been in, you know, have been producing and, and working on those telecasts for years and that wealth of knowledge, even though these women were playing from different spots, had to be a huge help for you guys from a technical perspective. It did, but it's funny. Um, you had to unlearn the course pretty quickly because... <laughs> You know, I mean, obviously we knew 1 and, and 18 and 10 were going to be tough, but all of a sudden 11 is a birdie hole. You know, mm. and in your head, it's, that's not really the case. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not sure with one practice round what the par fives are going to do for them. You know, because Friday it rained, and so it was pretty wet. So, you know, in your head, you, you naturally know what, what's a, in, in the men's game, what's a go zone. But in the women's game, with now again, if they had played all week, that might be different. But we, yeah. we watched a lot on Friday. We helped with the live from show from our truck, and we also went out there and watched a lot. So um, we had made a lot of notes. So you, you had to kind of learn the course, but unlearn it from... What you knew, because you know, like the tee shot at nine is totally different. You know, nine is now a go go for uh, shot. Uh, Eleven definitely was a, was a go for it shot. So, um, you know, you just couldn't assume that. Oh boy, you know, okay, she drove it great. Now she's going to have to on eleven hit it way right. Well, now Haley Moore went right at it. You know, so. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Every time you thought you had it under control, somebody would hit a shot. You'd be like, oh, that's right. Okay, wait. That play is totally different than what I thought. So the part that floored me, we're talking to Golf Channel producer Brant Packer, who um, had the distinct honor of being the lead producer for the inaugural Augusta National Women's Golf Amateur a couple weeks ago. What I did not realize until I sat there and watched the live look-ins on the first round on uh, on uh, Wednesday um, was that you guys actually put up a little bit of an infrastructure at Champions Retreat, including at least three towers, maybe four, and that you guys had a um, had enough of an, a footprint there to cover a playoff 
which when you have to get to 30, you're most likely going to have, and, and you had, what, 13 for one, I think it was? or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, 13 for one. So here you are trying to figure out Augusta National. Now you're trying to set up at a completely different golf course that I have no idea if you've ever played there, but I, I would have to imagine a lot of your crew may not have, have ever played there. What was that like, trying to get yourself prepared to A, cover the first two rounds, and then B, be live for any kind of playoff? Yeah, well, I'd love to take credit, but I can't. That was our, our live from crew. That was Matt Haggerty and Alan Robinson and uh, Andrew Smiley, who did an unbelievable job. Mm. And my co-producer, Rob Sharp, over there to help them. Uh, when we did the initial survey, we knew uh, that we potentially could be streaming live for a playoff there. Um, the news crew was always going to have live look-ins and, and right. um, ENG and, and you know have highlights and that sort of thing. But we knew that was going to happen. So we knew the playoff holes well in advance and went out there several times and, and surveyed the course and um, we had a really good well they did I should, I'm going to give them a ton of credit they had a great plan in terms of what they were going to do I actually when that was going on was back at Augusta National uh, I was talking to them you know making sure they're they're in good shape and they were awesome um, so because they were on a little bit of a delay we watched it live in our truck as we were rehearsing so it was kind of fun for us to sit there and watch um you know, you're not sure. At one point, there was no playoff. You know, and they kept going back and forth, and we were all laughing internally. Like, of course, they're going to have a, you know, USAM 24 for two kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then when they had what they had, we we're like, oh, you got to be kidding me! And for only two to go to the second hole, the par three, was really crazy. Um, but that was always the plan in place, and, and, and the live from crew executed it great because that's that's hard. You know, that's that's a tough. Uh, even if it's your own truck and you've been doing it all day, and then you go to a playoff, you know, those are always hard to know who's away, who's next. And then when you play, what four, four, and three, or whatever they played in, um, that's very difficult. Yes, there was a lot of mayhem. Uh, yeah, uh, everything organized. They, those guys did a great job. Yes, and all the right graphics and putting the right graphic for the right person, which is not easy. To do, especially no, when you don't know these all. people. Um, so yeah, and, and then uh, for the uh, lady whose name I honestly forget offhand, and I apologize for making that putt to win that playoff. Oh, Laura. Yeah. So so it's really cool, and her story is really neat that she you know played in South Carolina. Kaylin Anderson was on her bag, who's the head coach of South Carolina. Uh, they're the 11th ranked team in the country right now, and um, she dedicated everything to the Iowa State golfer who got killed. They were both from Spain, um, so it was a really really cool story. Not that anybody's rooting, but that's you know when that happens, that's really a uh, that's really a cool thing to have to see. Uh, talking to Brant Packer here on Teeing It Up. So, Brant, um, uh, I, I honestly forgot what I was going to say, but, but but having that 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 infrastructure there at Champions Retreat was fantastic, and all the credit to you guys at Golf Channel for doing that and for getting that on the air. In your wildest dreams, could you have ever imagined the duel we saw on Saturday there and the way that all went down between Cup Joe and Fosse? Um, to an extent, yes. Not the level, well, let me backtrack. The sportsmanship and the type of people they are, 100%. And it was really cool because um, if you can't root for those two, then I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. So we all knew going in, um, 
that 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 had a chance to be the, the two of them, and, and they're such great people. And, and what you saw was legit. There's no fakeness in Maria Fossey. None of that was superficial. That's her. And they, they come from two incredible programs, uh, which Sean has done at Arkansas and, and Kim her first year at Wake Forest. What shocked me was the level of golf on that stage, on that second nine at Augusta National. Um, I didn't see necessarily those shots being hit simply because it was the first time and there was so much unknown. Um, but when they started hitting the shots, it, you kind of went, holy cow. You know, I mean, you saw Jennifer kind of struggle a little bit right before we came on the air and uh, she about jarred it on six. Fossey knocked it a foot on seven. Our first hole was eight. So the level of golf, and, and Fossey got off to a little bit of a shaky start on once, but the level of golf they played, you're like, okay, here we go. Um, but the back and forth was just sensational. And, and you feel kind of like a proud pop a little bit that, you know, we've been, we've been touting the women's collegiate game and the amateur game so long. And to see them uh, play the way they did, man, it, it was, you know, I, I still get emotional about it. I, I, we were crying that whole day. Mm. It, was, it was really cool, you know. And, and, you know, my daughter called me right after and just said, you know, Daddy, that, and we had gone down, and, and, and I'll get into this whole thing too, not, not to sidetrack too much, but we had done a lot of scouting um, for the NCAAs and for the Augusta National Women Amateur. So I, I went to L.A. to watch. They had 21 players play in the Ohio State's event out in L.A. And um, I took my wife and my daughter down to the Auburn event. They had 18 of the players in the uh, collegiate tournament they were playing. And, and Fossey was one of them. And my daughter watched Fossey. And, and uh, she called me right after and said, I can't believe that's who I met. I met her on the ninth hole. That was Maria Fossey. You know? and, um, so it's, it's really cool to see. And I, I did the media day. In, uh, in Fayetteville two days after uh, we got off the air for the NCAAs for the blessings. And, you know, that's what everybody was talking about down there is that, you know, the responsibility that those two, not even those two, all 72 players had, um, and to take it on their shoulders and play as great as they did, but maybe more importantly represent the, the women's amateur game the way they did. Man, it was uh, it was awesome. And mm -hmm. I was really proud of them. And for Cupshaw to go five under over her last six, I mean, that's so rare in Augusta National lore to, to, to do that. And those shots in the 13 and 15, um, I think will we'll, we'll go down uh, in history as, as some of the great fairway wood shots in Augusta National history. And especially the one at 15, which had a hook around the tree. I'm like, I know. did she really just do that? I mean, that was yeah. that was the iron, the iron at 16 to follow it up because that's where the, the two shot swing happened when Fossey couldn't get you know couldn't get it down on the ridge. Yeah, um, no, it was awesome. But the cool thing is, you know, we've seen that level of play now for four years from them, and then especially in contention at the NCAs for two years. So yeah. it's, it's kind of cool to see that all come to fruition. And, and what was neat is, you know, it was the first time that, that Tariko and Gary Koch had been exposed to that as much as, you know, Paige and Burkowski and, right. um, and myself. So it's kind of funny how, and, and Kay, you know, Kay Cockle as well. But so you had kind of Navalo, 
Tariko and Gary who were so fired up for this event, but really learning it for the first, learning the players for the first time, and then kind of relying on us for us to tell them. And you know, deep down, as you're bragging about these players, you're like, God, I really hope that they they you know they turn out. And so there was one commercial break where both Tariko and Frank were laughing, like, Hey, you said these two were great, but I mean, come on, guys, you didn't put it in, in perspective like this. Like, come on, you got to know the game a little bit. So we were all laughing, like, this is unbelievable what's unfolding. Which is, oh God, that that's fantastic. I was so happy Gary got to call that event. Just, just, just selfishly, he he deserved to do something at Augusta National in his career, and and uh, I was really happy you guys had had him as a part of the crew. And for Cup Show, she's the number one ranked amateur in the world. She was, I believe, the favorite. I mean, I mean, yeah. You know, not, uh, uh, not that there were odds, you know, or anything like that. But I assume that she came in there probably thinking, "I am the favorite, and I have to hold up these expectations." And to perform like she did. Now, when you heard her in Butler Cabin say to Mike Tirico, um, "I had a migraine. I lost vision in half my face. I was relying on my caddy." Did your jaw drop in the truck? I mean, that was shocking. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know, when you 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 don't have on course walkers, you know, and that is, so that we were at the we never speculate on an injury, you know, that's, yeah. that's our number one rule. Um, and so what we were doing was taking what we learned and we saw at Rich Harvest Farms two years ago, where she she honestly collapsed down the stretch. She, you know, had a pitching wedge into the seventy first hole and hit in the water and made double. And then last year uh, in Stillwater, um, she had the lead and and. Got off to a bad start. Jacqueline Lee from Ohio State took the lead, and then she came back and made the bomb at 16. And so her facial reactions were the same ones that Burko and Kay and Paige and I had seen before. So naturally, our, our our first instinct is okay. It's it's slipping away from her a little bit, you know. And now, yes, it was extreme, but we don't speculate. You know, at no point are we going to sit. Right. Oh, it could be a migraine, and but that no, yeah, that was the first time we had heard of it, and um, yeah, absolutely, the mouth dropped, and you're like, holy cow, I had no idea. And, you know, she couldn't see on the left side of her of her face there for what a hole and a half. So that's um, just yeah, the first and, time we had heard of it, and and especially the way that you know she was just so shaky around the turn, and you're. Thinking, and here's you know here here she goes again and yeah, and exactly. then, and then she turns on just amazing stuff. We're talking to Brant Packer here from uh, Golf Channel. All right, so you do this. Uh, uh, first of all, before we we uh, move on from this, why did you guys choose to have your own um, tower on on the par three course and not use? Butler Cabin or CBS's 18th Tower, anything like that for your main position? One, one answer is very simple and one is complicated. Uh, the first one is we had a three-person booth with Paige and Gary and Mike, and the CBS Tower on 18 fits two. <laughs> so simple math of, you know, we looked at the tower and we also looked at the maybe split them up and um, put maybe Burko up there with maybe Gary on the radio where they are, which is right. players left of 18, but it right. doesn't really make sense. And then, you know, it was important for us to have everybody together um, because this, uh, I was trying to think, and, and Tariq, Mike, and I, and, and John Delvecchio, our director, were talking about this, and Gary as well, and Navalo. You know, we came on the air on the 8th Green Live, and I can't think of another show of this magnitude where you technically start the very first time you come on the air is basically the eighth green on Sunday. 
You know, there's no Thursday, Friday, there's no Saturday, there's no pregame show for us. Um, so there was so much to do and get in that we wanted all the announcers together because it was it would be good for them to be able to make eye contact and you know, there was that there was a lot to get done. You know, for us, we knew Cop Joe, we knew Fossey, I knew Caitlin Papp from Texas. I saw her two weeks before. But again, we had to start from scratch and so you know, we're doing a show that the viewer, the average viewer is saying, not only the basics, like, who, who are these two women? But, wait a minute, what do you mean the women are playing Augusta? Wait, wait a minute, there's 72 of them? Wait, how is a woman already six under? Um, what do you mean there's 30 playing? You know, like, we literally had to start from scratch. Yeah. Starting on the eighth hole. You know, on what is technically Sunday, um, and so we wanted to tell their stories. Me, selfishly, you know, I wanted to get out to twelve as fast as I could. I, I didn't care who was hitting. <laughs> I wanted to show second shot at thirteen. I wanted to show third at fifteen, um, and we did. You know, Zoe Campos hit in the water at thirteen early, so that helped us kind of set that stage. Jarvi Boonchan about jarred her third shot at fifteen, so it was important to show that. And then it was also really important for me not only to show every player but to finish every player and we did we were 30 of 30 of all the players finishing on I 18 love that, you did that. that to me yeah. instead of just showing her you know here was her, her third shot at 15 it, it was hey here was her finish here were her three scores um, so there was a lot to happen and get on and we felt like with all the announcers together um, and not separate you know, it'd be real easy for an announcer to try to get in too much, but then realize, hey, I'm, I need to scale it back. And I think when they all sat together, which they did, we had our whole announcers off to the side there on the par three set. It was a much bigger set. We shared it with ESPN, but it's a much bigger set than what we've had in the past. So we felt it was important for everybody to be together to to make eye contact or if they had something. I mean, they all had their specific holes and they all had their traffic in terms of who talks first and, and you know, odd analyst or even hole analyst and that sort of stuff. But um, and sometimes, you know, you can look at somebody and realize, man, I don't need to say a thing here. And I give I give that announce team a lot of credit because that's really hard to do. It, it'd be very easy to do an event at Augusta National and try to say, let me let me tell you how much I know. I mean, Steve Burkowski could talk an hour on every single woman in that field, you know. But for him to really have three stories and do them great, you know, where he could have had thirty stories. And same thing for Mike Rico and Frank and Paige and Kay. Um, I, I thought they all did a great job with that. So that's a long way to answer your question, is that's why we picked the part three. That makes total sense. We're talking to Brent Packer here on Teeing It Up. All right. I've heard a lot of producers and directors and announcers and production people over the years say, you get done with one of these broadcasts and you're on a high and then you crash. For you... You had to turn around, go to a dinner, get to know these kids, and do drive, chip, and putt the next day. So yeah. what was your, you know, post-game, essentially, after um, you guys like, get off the air? We, we got off the air. Um, and that's the other thing. I think that these women deserve a lot of credit. Their pace of play. That first group finished in 401. That was insane. So we weren't quite sure when they would finish, but man, we, we asked for that last putt in at 258, and I think it was 258.40 or something like that. It was, they flew, which was awesome. So we got off the air, we had to do a closing ceremony. Um, I put down my headset, 
I walked into the office and saw the announcers and gave everybody hugs, but Tariko uh, and Paige and Sands and I, um, we took a photo, kind of a fun photo, and then we got into a car. I, I actually, uh, I'm about as low maintenance as it gets. So the one thing I asked that week was, because the drive chip putt compound is over by the press area, at the press building, um, I, they moved my car during the show. So we had a car waiting for it that took us to the other compound, and we did about an hour of rehearsal there. We had already done rehearsals throughout the week. We had, had I, I felt like we did a good job balancing our schedule of knowing where we need to be where. Um, so we had done our huge Friday afternoon two-hour rehearsal for Drive Chip Putt when the practice round was done and our meetings and that sort of thing. So um, Saturday post from like 3.30 to 4.30 or 5, but just kind of ironing things out. Um, ran back to the hotel, showered, put on a suit, uh, ran to the Marriott for that dinner that night, which was um, which was already such a high, because you had everyone from the USGA and the PGA of America and Augusta National and uh, all the kids there that were buzzing about the day and, and how great the play was. Um, so that was kind of neat. It, it was kind of a natural... Um, a high for everyone, you know, and it was really cool too because you, you saw the look of the seven-year-old girls to the fifteen-year-old girls in that room, um, and you could tell they were inspired. Like they were asking tons of questions about Fossey and Cup Show. Will she be out there tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool too to see some of the boys because you know your boy don't want to admit that a girl's any good or you know she's not better than me at golf and all that stuff. And uh, and even they were talking about it, which was which was really really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not gonna lie that. 515 wake up on Sunday was kind of a kick in the gut like all right here we go um and then went straight I don't even know what time I got there 5:30, 5:45 Sunday morning and then we were on at uh we did our first insert at 7:15 and then one at 7:43 and then we were on from 8 to 1 and um and off we went yeah um by the way the fact that Cup Show showed up on Sunday I thought was fantastic whoever yeah. went out, Whoever on your crew spotted that, that was a great spot because she was kind of hard to find, you know. Oh yeah, we knew. Yeah, we knew she was there. She actually moved it up. She had to get back to get get back to class. And then um, (laughs) our, I thought our PR staff did an incredible job setting up uh, what was that tour um, on Monday for them. You know, for them to be on the Today Show and the Fallon Show, and word had started to leak out uh, that that was going to happen. And um, Molly Sullivan and I afterwards had had ran into uh, Chairman Ridley and former. Chairman Payne and um, they had heard about it and they couldn't believe it. You know, like wait a minute, the, when Jimmy D Jimmy she's gonna be on with D Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> which was really cool to see. You know their faces and their excitement of my gosh, our, our champion is you know on the Today Show and, and on Jimmy Fallon and doing another press tour that you know that every Masters champion gets to do. So it, yeah. it was really kind of fun to see their excitement and, and how fired up they were for that. Um. The thing that I'm going to mention about drive, chip, and putt is is only two things basically. A, the amount of putts, sorry, the amount of kids who made both putts on 18 is astounding. Because that's a hard first putt to get up there. I mean, that is so slow. And those kids did not realize that that part of the green had been changed. That's right. So they're putting on on memory that was not the case. A and and number two, it had been so soaking wet there. Number three, uh, so and, and then number two, I just love how Bubba Watson has become like the face of this event from an ambassador right. standpoint. Yep. And I mean, 
He was like stalking you guys. I mean, he was everywhere. He was there Saturday, too. He was yeah. opening tee shot with Annika. Which I love, by the way. I, I love the fact that he was out there for that. You know, and the cool thing, too, that it, it'd be easy for a player to say, hey, I'm going to put on, even if you didn't put on the job, you know, you, you weren't a winner, but hey, yeah. publicity-wise, man, I'm going to stand here because there's a camera, this is going to look good for me, and then when the cameras are off, I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. Um, that's not the case. Man, he was high-fiving everybody. Um, and it, it, it was really cool to see because we, we didn't know he was going to be there Saturday, but we had one of our cameramen had spotted him early. Um on Saturday morning when we were doing the opening ceremony at 7.40. And uh, it was really funny. And we knew, you know, we knew he'd be there Sunday. But, again, he's all in, man. He's high-fiving them. He's Those are tears that are legit tears. Those aren't, you know, superficial tears, no. which, is, which is really cool. And, and kudos for him because a lot of players could do that. It costs nothing to do that. You know, all it does is cost a couple hours out of both days. And, and um, the return on your investment, you know, I, I will – I will defend him um, if anybody has a, has a, a rip on him. Uh, surely because of those two days, because it's a genuine high five, hug. Hey, how are you? What's your name, man? Good luck to you. It, it's it's pretty cool to see him do that. Yeah, I think it's I think he's misunderstood. There there may be not that you know you or I would mention names, but there are, there may be some bad quote-unquote people in golf. I think Bubba's misunderstood, and I think he gets a, a negative reputation that, that he doesn't deserve because of how misunderstood he is. Um, so I think that's Look, the case. Hey, we all have. Look, I, you know, if I'm, I, I wish I was perfect, but that, that's not the case. So, uh, no, but I, again, it, it's, it's really cool to see him out there. And, and, um, um, and, and the cool thing is, you know, we showed all 80 kids on Sunday and then all 30 of the women who made the cut. And every one of those players, uh, you know, you now leave there with, a, if you did it before, 110 Bubba Watson fans yes. because he was there, which is which is pretty cool to yeah. have an influence from 7-year-olds to 24-year-olds. That, that's that's pretty, pretty special. I, I just can't wait because someday... Um, one day your LPGA colleagues are going to be able to throw up images of some woman in drive, chip, and putt, then the amateur, then the NCAAs, and then wing an LPGA tour event. It's going to be awesome. Well, we're already seeing it in college golf. Yeah. It's funny. um, I started doing some research, um, you know, starting in January, and Oklahoma had... um, had this kid Patrick Welsh on the team and I, I was like God Lee that name sounds so familiar I remember there was a kid from the very first drive chip putt named Patrick Welsh but that can't be him and then I started doing research that they had sat Brad Dawkey who was their one of their best players played in the Masters a couple years ago and put in Patrick Welsh and I looked up and I said man this kid's from Rhode Island so was the Patrick Welsh that played in drive chip putt that can't be him then I realized that the kid in drive chip putt was cross handed so I sent um Ryan Hibble, their coach, a text. I said, hey, crazy question, but I got a, a Patrick Walsh question. He goes, oh, I'm sitting right next to him. Funny you asked that. I said, is, it, is he cross-handed? He goes, yeah. I'm like, son of a gun, it's the same kid. So there's there's four kids uh, right now, one at Clemson, a female at A&M, Patrick Welsh, and another player that are drive-chip putt uh, alums who are making a, a name for themselves in the collegiate ranks. So it's, it is pretty cool to see you know, those first years of 15 year olds now are six years into this 
um, that evolution. You know, Mega Gane, who played great at Drive Chip Hut, just qualified for the the uh, senior or the women's open. Yeah. So it's um, you're you're seeing. I mean, Lucy Lee that first year, first couple years. You know, she uh, it was crazy to see her. Alexa Pano could easily win. She could have won a Symmetra tournament. Uh, what two or three weeks before? Um, the Augusta National Women's Am. You know, she's a multiple, multiple national finalist there of, of drive chip putt. So you are really starting to see them now. Yeah, uh, something tells me we will be seeing drive chip putt uh, video during the NCAA coverage this year. Um. Oh, yeah. and, and, and to see the drive chip putt to the Augusta National Women's Amateur, to the NCAA Championship, to the LPGA. You know, that that's... Cause yeah. We are seeing, not necessarily drive chip putt, but, you know, the NCAA to web.com to PGA Tour. Oh, so totally. I think you'll definitely see that, you know, with Aaron Wise winning and DeChambeau, C.T. Pan was in that, the Bryson DeChambeau year at concession. They, it was, they were 1-2 going down the stretch. So I, I think you're going to start seeing this more from the LPGA side. I really think, you know, you mentioned Bryson. I think Bryson's the one that's been so helped by you guys. Because yeah. Bryson came on tour and everybody already knew he was a mad scientist. Yep. Um, no matter what network it was, they had heard of Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and they had heard about this this kid, you know, maybe through the grapevine, even if they didn't see your coverage, it was, oh my God, we've got this guy here, you know, who's been doing some crazy stuff and looks at golf in a different way, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think that's where your coverage has really helped and, and uh, shined a light on, on some of these people. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, he was in our window, believe it or not, the very first year we did this in 14 at Prairie Dunes. Um, SMU had, had made the cut, played with, I think, LSU and Georgia Tech. And he was in our window coming right in that eight spot. Now, that day we did not know who he was. I think he played with like Curtis Thompson and Seth Reeves from LSU and Georgia Tech. Um, so, you know, a kid named Smiley Coffin was in the group ahead of him, Richie Rowinski, you know, which is, at the time, you have no idea. You're like, oh, Smiley's a funny name. Let's show him. You, know, yeah. you have no idea type thing. Yeah. Um, so, and then the next year, you know, you go to concession, and, and you're like, holy cow, wait a minute. This is this is pretty impressive to see what this kid is doing. So, um, yeah, it is neat to get to know these to know these kids early on and what their tendencies are. And, you know, we knew all about the clubs. We knew about that whole deal uh, when he had won their concession, which was which is really cool. So now, Brant Packer from Golf Channel, you have to do the Western, Western Intercollegiate, which besides being one of the most prestigious college events there is, yeah. uh, and besides the fact that you've never covered the event... <laughs> It happens to be one of the most famous golf courses in America that most people have never seen on television, Pasa Tiempo. Uh, first of all, that place looked unbelievable. Yeah, it was very cool. But second of all, I mean, you are got to be running on five-hour energy or something by then, trying to get your mind around this. And I have to imagine that you were doing those scouting trips way early last fall, knowing you had this crazy run-up yeah. with everything I mean, for Augusta. It, it, it got announced. I mean, we knew officially beginning of the year we were doing this event. It was announced at Pebble Beach. Um, so we went and looked at it post uh, John Novecki and I had done the two Hawaii events and then the Desert Classic. Yeah. So we scooted out over to Paso Tiempo that Monday after the Desert Classic and spent all day out there. And, um, you know, I, you knew the golf course at that point. It, it's, it's really cool to see, you know, for the first time especially. And then... You know, knowing where we're going to put cameras and what, what the coverage was going to be. And, um, you know, my goal as a producer, there's several goals. I mean, one is to be 
most prepared person in the compound. You know, and that's not always the case, but that's my goal. And then the other one is to be two steps ahead of everyone else there. Again, not always the case, but that's that's my goal. And then to put people in a position to succeed. And whether you're Mike Tirico or Nick Faldo or Rob Sharp who, or Matt Hubbard who does our graphics. So for me, I started work on this um, just like the NCAAs. I start work in the NCAAs in September where I start following every tournament of, of the big-time teams and start making bios of all the players and calling coaches and, hey, run me through your five and what what can we keep an eye on and constant text messages. And the hard part for this was, well, you know, we got off, like I said, drive chip up. We got off the air on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, I left there probably at 3 o'clock and drove home. I live south of Atlanta, so it was two and a half hours and crashed that night. And then uh, Tuesday had to fly to Arkansas to host their media day and be part of that and flew home. And then on that Friday flew out to Pasatiempo. So the hard part was, you know, we knew Pepperdine and Stanford uh, and USC uh, and Cal, you know, really good handle on. Arizona had won earlier in the year, so we, we had a good handle on Arizona. Um, I had followed San Jose State a bunch because they were the host university, so for us it was important to um, to give them a lot of love. And But there were a lot of, in Oregon, it feels like, you know, we were joking to Ryan Gronlin, uh, who's their senior and Edwin Yee and they're like what are you guys 30 years old like for crying out loud do you guys ever graduate you know and so um, so there were half the teams that we knew and then there were half that we had to learn from scratch and, and that's hard I mean it's it's hard to learn you know Washington and UC Irvine and, and UTEP uh, San Diego State um, Colorado State and, and that was tough so that was basically Saturday and Sunday was to scour the course and, and get a feel of who are the guys and what are their tendencies and and that sort of thing. Um, and really, once, you know, we were on the air Monday, so I spent the whole, I spent probably four hours in the morning on the first tee um, identifying all the players and talking to players. And, and I had a good relationship with most of the coaches and, you know, any kind of last-second things. And um, so Monday was tough. Monday was hard because, you know, you dealt with some some schools you didn't know a lot about. You had a sense of what you thought the golf course was, but until anybody plays it, you don't really know. Um, you know, you don't know how crazy 18 green is until you see that back left pin like they had on on Monday. Um, and then Tuesday, we basically had a Monday, Tuesday, early, late wave. So Tuesday, you basically start from scratch. You know, now uh, Stanford and SC are in our window. And, and then Wednesday, we were in pretty good shape because we, we you know, had kind of who we expected. Um, but you had to learn San Jose State a little bit more because they were in those last couple groups. And then um, uh, Clay Fagler from Pepperdine made an early run, and he was about an hour and 12 minutes ahead of the last group. So, uh, and then, of course, we have a five-hole playoff yeah, on you, you and Solinda. You know, we're all looking at each other like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Um, so that was pretty funny. And then we grabbed dinner that night. I took the red-eye home, uh, landed Thursday morning, uh, and then I did the Champions event on Friday north of Atlanta in Gwinnett. So I spent, uh, I had already kind of prepared for that and sent all the emails and the to-dos and that sort of thing. But I honestly went to bed Thursday. I, I was exhausted. And then woke up at about 6 on Friday and drove an hour and 15 minutes north of Gwinnett. And then Friday was a complete washout. Yeah. To do a rain show. And I'm yeah, like, just okay, what you would off, off TV gods. Like, I get it. <laughs> you know, like, all right, you got it. Um, but luckily, yeah, we were off on time on Sunday and, and drove home and... Um, 
Monday was pretty much just one of those, like it just all kind of came to a crashing halt. And now I've been paying attention to all the conference finals for the women's and the selection show last night. And a bunch of the men are, are starting. I was gonna, supposed to fly down to the SECs and, and observe some, but I, I just couldn't uh, I couldn't get on another plane. So I've been <laughs> kind of texting all the coaches from, from the office to see what's going on with them. Um, yeah. And then we just kind of get ready for the NCAAs in, in what, three weeks or so. Um. That 18th hole was diabolical at Paso Tiempo. No one could either get the putt in a makeable place or B, get get the putt to the hole if they were below it. I'm watching that playoff, and and you probably didn't realize it, but 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 Orlando's going in and out of that in the first round of the LPGA event in right. in, in Hawaii during your breaks. Yep, and like. It was just weird going from uh, one uh, tropical landscape to a desert <laughs> landscape through this hole. And, and, you know, you're looking at Top Tracer and you're like, that's online, but yeah, one inch the wrong way. And you're suddenly. Crazy. <laughs> it, it, that was a weird because. And 16 is the most incredible green I've ever seen in my life. That was a hard show because it, um, you know, balls land and you're looking ready to go and you realize it's still rolling and still rolling and still rolling. And um, so we couldn't be in a hurry to get anywhere. And it was funny because Sean Yu, the junior from San Jose State, had posted. And uh, he was in the second to last group, I believe, playing with Justin Suh and Lipasud and, and Shemp from um, from Stanford. And so Celinda was in the last group with, uh, I think it was Velo and Crampton and O'Neill. From, from SC, if I remember. And we're thinking no one can make birdie here. And 18 was a fairly simple, you know, middle, back, right location. And Celinda had made birdie the day before, and we had showed that before he played. But we're thinking, okay, finally, you know, you's going to win. Great story. The San Jose State kid is their host event. You know, the team kind of faltered, and Stanford won the team, but now San Jose State wins the individual. Like, perfect, you know. And then he hits it in there, what, 10 feet. And I'm like, all right, still no one's made this putt all day. It's a sidewinder. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean that was what four cups outside the right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we, you know, you go back to 18, so you got to figure par is going to be to bogey, you know. And then you go to the 18 a couple times. Then you go to 10, which is a great par four, and same thing, you know. And, and you would hit kind of a bad drive, and you're like, all right. And then he stiffs the second, you're like, all right. And then they all par there. They go to 17, which is basically a driver nothing wedge. Someone's going to make birdie. Uh, nope. And then it goes back to 18 and ends there. And we're laughing like, man, on all the holes that it ended on, it came back to 18. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that, that really shot you cool, had. Uh, the, the people were tremendous to work with. Um, you know, their general manager was a two-time All-American at San Jose State. So there's a lot of neat San Jose State ties there. Um, it was really cool getting to know some of the coaches who, who I had not um, had a rapport with before, which I thought was, was good for me to get to know um, a lot of those guys because there's some that, you know, we've dealt with a ton. And, and um, you know, the Chris Zambries of the world I've known forever. And um, Scott Lieberworth from UTEP was on the men's committee. So, you know, we've got great rapport there. And Casey Martin and my Michael Beard, but, you know, spent a little bit more time with, with Christian Newton from Colorado State, um, you know, Ron from Hawaii, uh, I don't get to see Ryan Donovan for San Diego State very often, and um, Paul Smolinski for UC Irvine, it, it, it was really cool to uh, to get to start a relationship with them, and, uh, you know, you never know, I mean, uh 
Xander Shoffley had played in this event a couple years ago for San Diego State. So you, you never know when that next Xander Shoffley shows up, and you know you can make a phone call to Ryan Donovan and say, "Hey, give me give me some stuff on this kid," and he's going to give you stuff that uh, nobody else can get by by looking stuff up in, in any bios or notes. So yeah, the relationships that are really important for us. Xander Shoffley is someone I got wrong. I've said, I I said multiple times in this podcast I thought he was a fluke, and he's been anything but a fluke. Uh, I tell you what, I, I saw the round in, in Maui that last day with, with Rory, you know, behind him, and, and I, that I, I, I that changed me completely. I mean, I, I'm not saying I wasn't a believer, right? But in that round firsthand, um, that was what sixty-two, I think. What's that? Was that 62 he shot? Yeah, like 61 or 62 on a par 73. Yeah. Crazy. But it was incredible. What's really funny, and, and I, I don't want to get into to names, but right. I always play the game with my announcers on the men's and women's post NCAs. And we also do this at Eastlake. I said, all right, you're going to put your own money on somebody. Give me... You're buying stock in this person, and you're not buying stock in this person. And it's really funny. Like, Robbie Shelton was our guy years ago, and he just lost in the playoff of the web.com. But we all left Prairie Dunes, literally everybody. And that was the Maverick, Neely, and Ollie Schneider, Jans, and everybody that Robbie Shelton as a freshman was. And he played great at the um, uh, Barbasol that next year. He actually should have won it if he could have made some putts um, the year that Scott Piercy won. But... Uh, but it's funny, DeChambeau was not on everybody's buy stock list. Mm. Like, well, let's wait and see. We're not sure. You know, they love Schneider Jans, and um, so it's really funny how there's there's certain people like Andy Park was the camp misser, and Leona McGuire, um, you know, on the women's side. So it's really funny to, to see these players and say, okay, you know, who would you buy stock in? And, and Shopley was just ahead of us because they they didn't play quite well enough. Um, they're at Prairie, but they didn't play quite well enough to get in our, our window. I think they're a concession. But um, it's funny to go back and, and kind of get the um, the so-called experts, you know, who are on our team to, to say, okay, you know, they saw them firsthand to play, to get to know, to be around, and, and who would they put money in. It, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, we're, we're talking with, with, with uh, Brant Packer. Um, to kind of close this out, uh, you've had a crazy April. Um, you're now in the thick of the Champions Tour seasons. We've, we've got some opposite field PGA Tour events coming on. I don't know how many events you're going to work in the fall now that the PGA Tour's fall schedule is like 40,000 events. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but um, just from this stretch that we've talked about, the women's amateur, drive chip putt, NCAA media, Western Intercollegiate Champions Tour. Uh, if I were to give you the Golf Channel sponsored shot of the month, uh, what is it? Um, you know what? It's not going to be, and this is crazy, it's not going to be a golf shot. It's going to be the hug and the, um, the thank you that Fossey and Cup Show made on 18 Green. Because mm. it was... It was so genuine. And again, you know, I've had some people go, oh, you know, Fossey made a bunch of money doing that. I'm like, guys, that, that wasn't an act. I'm not no. telling you. That is her. And same thing with Cup Show. I mean, Cup Show is much more reserved and quiet. Um, to see that embrace and then to know how that's going to resonate 
from someone like my my daughter or my wife or I've got some buddies at the club who are exactly what you would think. Like, oh, you're doing a chicks event. Oh, and I'm like, eh, no, not really. Not quite <laughs> what it is, you know. And these guys were like salivating. Oh my God, did you see the shot? Did you see blah blah blah? And I'm going, whoa, whoa. whoa. Before I left for Augusta, you're rolling your eyes. Like, I'm not going to watch one second of that. And now you guys are breaking this down? Like, are you, are you kidding me? Um, so I, to see that hug, which really was symbolic of the whole day, and not, not just the shots that they played, but the way that they acted. Like, you know, Fossey to hit that drive on 14 and get the crowd all into it. You know, the Patriots, as she's walking off, doing the kind of the whoa pig suey thing. Um... You know, that and the high fives that they had, the, the high five that they have off of 12, the little fist pump. It's funny, yeah. I'm not an autograph person. I mean, I have stuff in my office that I have, like our announcer sign of first time we did, the, like I've got the one right here with, with Rio or the first open that I did. Right. Um, but I, I, I called right away. I, I got that photo, and I, I called Coach Llewellyn and Coach uh, uh, Shauna Taylor from Arkansas. I said, hey, I need a favor. Never done this before, but I have a photo that I want to put in my office. First of all, I want to get it for my daughter, um, for Jennifer Maria to sign, but I want one too. And they were laughing. They're like, wait a minute. Of all the stuff you have in your office, I'm like, I'm telling you what, it was the coolest thing I've done, and the two of them are going right in front of my, you know, where I sit in my office. Um, so they both have signed it with some kind of ha-has on there because I know them a little bit, uh, which I can't repeat. But uh, there's some <laughs> stuff in there kind of criti- being critical of the show and more of them and, you know, really funny stuff. Um, but I have that up there. So I, I would say the embrace because of, of how symbolic it was. And I thought the hug um, and, and the wave to the patrons will be more important than the Cup Show shot at 13, the Fosse Park 12, the Cup Show shot at 15, and the birdie of, of Cup Show, uh, the birdies at 16 and 18. Cause I, I think that's a, that was a powerful moment uh, in the game, and it shows you how magical that place is because, what, eight days later, you have people, you know, Jim Nance calling it the greatest Masters he's ever he's ever broadcast. So yeah. it shows you with the power of Augusta National um, to be able to to have the women play the way they did, to have all the shots of the of the kids the next day, and then you know everyone's going crazy because the weather and oh they're ending early and it's it's the greatest Masters maybe in our lifetime. So it's a it's a powerful place, man. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, all right. Last two things, you you know me. I I, I try to keep you off kilter here at the end. Um, Tennessee Tennessee Vols. I think we're going to go eight and four, <laughs> and I think BYU is our toughest game. And I think what my man Brennan Webb is doing with the Tennessee men's golf with three wins is the national coach of the year in any sport. Because I know that's your first question. Uh, no, but I, I was going to mention the men's basketball team, which had an interesting year. You were number one for a while, and then yeah, and then the tournament kind of didn't. Uh, bounce your way. Edwards killed us. My God. I mean, between Edwards and the other kid from Purdue, I've never, it's like Steph Curry's never made shots that they made. So, uh, And then you can't foul You can't foul Edwards on the side. But Turner fouled him. But, you, you know, if he makes that shot going away, you'll take your chances. But, you know, they were 18 down and stormed back. and um, They got exposed a little bit. But, uh, man, Purdue, and I'm an SEC guy. I hate the Big Ten. Uh, that Purdue team was as fun of a team as I've ever seen play. So. And it gave Virginia a huge run for their money, too, later on in the, in the uh, tournament. Um, 
Yep. All right. Blessings Golf Club. Going to host the NCAAs here in a couple weeks, seven, May 17th through 22nd on Golf Channel. And then uh, that would be what? That would be the 24th through the 29th. Uh, uh, yeah, 20. No, I, I can't do math today. Um, that would be. Yeah, we end on the 29th. Uh, yeah, so okay. The, the, the so whatever that is on the 29th. 20 women and 27, yeah. 28, 29 the men. Yeah, there we go. Okay, sorry. I can't I, I, I can't do math for some reason. Um, <laughs> um, where does this golf course fall in the difficulty versus easy range of NCAA venues of late? Um, I think on the women's side, it'll be very difficult. I think it's very similar to a Rich Harvest Farms and a Carson Creek. Um, it's a massive golf course. It is a huge piece of property. It'll play to a par 73 for the women, which I think will help. The seventh hole will play a five, or it's a four for the men. Um, I think the longer teams will definitely be rewarded. Arkansas, with Dylan Kim uh, and Fossey, are two of the longest players in the game. So when they play there, they, they kind of can let it rip. Um, I think it'll psych out a lot of the women's players. Not a lot, but some of the women's teams. Kind of like what Eugene Country Club did, being so tree-lined and Sahali-like, where it kind of psyched out a lot of the southern teams. Yeah. I think this golf course and this venue might psych out some, some teams that aren't mentally prepared for it, and, and they can have the greens really tough, too. Um, so I think it'll separate it. You know, the men's game is so long that any time that, you know, concession club, I thought when I saw the women play, I was like, God, how are the men going to play here? Um, but they, they're all so long that their sight lines are different. Um, I think for the men... You know, they'll hit it far enough, and then they'll have the greens a little bit tougher, kind of like they had at Karsten Creek, than they will for the women. Um, but it's, it's a massive golf course. It's a really cool uh, match play golf course because there's a lot of, um, not necessarily there's a drivable hole on the front. Six is drivable, but not really anything on the back that's drivable. But there's a lot of holes where you can kind of, um, you know, 14, take off as much as you want. 18, you can kind of do the same thing. The par threes are really good. 13 and 17 on the back. Um, Mr. Tyson had it in unbelievable shape when I was there. It was rolling about 13. Um, but the area is phenomenal. I, I think Northwest Arkansas will do an incredible job. And, and Mr. Tyson from Tyson's Chicken was kind enough that day at the media day to uh, – they've purchased all the tickets so everybody can get in for free in that area. Um, Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah, and that, so that area, I mean, where we stay up there, you can walk to a ton of restaurants, and, and they'll do everything first class. So I think the student-athletes leaving there will will say it's one of the best-run championships they've ever seen. Um, you produced how many of Tiger's wins back in the day? Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, let's see, I did the Open in 06 was my last uh, Open. Um that's a good question. I know we did an American Express, Torch, uh, Deutsche Bank. Oh, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say a handful. That, that's a because I did four, five, and six at uh, at ABC, and, and Loomis did did oh four. And um, when he would go do football, I'd do the rest, and I did all of oh six. So I, that's I don't know. That's a good question. Um, sitting there. Um, at Paso Tiempo on on Sunday, what was going through your head? I mean, because for us Tiger lovers, it's it's a comeback we never saw happen. You were there in 06. Nance mentioned it right before the putt that he thought that this could rival the emotion in a very different way of 06. Um, you were there covering what was a Tiger we've never seen, just hysterically crying. 
Yeah. Um, well, that was the first one with his dad. Um, yeah, it's funny. We uh, we had we had moves. Well, the San Jose State folks had moved the tea times early, so everybody could get out of there for the practice round to watch it. And we had moved our day early. And then when they made the announcement, we're like, "Oh man, it's going to be right in the window of you know our meetings and where we're supposed to do a coaches meeting." And um, so we backed up our meeting probably about six times, and eventually. They're on, when Molinari hit in the water on 15, is when our meeting was split, and it was, this was a big meeting we needed to do. And I looked at everybody, I said, look, let's be honest here. I could get up here and spout for the next hour. Y'all aren't going to listen to a word I'm saying. <laughs> or am I going to care about what I'm saying? Let's watch this. Let's do it after lunch. Everybody good. And everybody was like, yep, we're all good. We're all good. So um, we all sat there and watched it. We watched every single thing. And... Um, it was amazing. It was really cool. I, I was obviously happy for Joe LaCava. Um, you know, we've spoken since. He's been a buddy for a long time. and um, But it was just so good for the game, you know. And I still have some friends that, that don't like Tiger and, you know, they don't quite understand the, the hoopla and, you know, so typical of you TV guys. And, you know, they, they, they're never going to understand that. And, and that's fine. Um but to see it resonate, you know, all across the world when it's on the front page of, of newspapers, um, not just the sports page, but, you know, newspapers in London and Sydney and all over the, the United States, um, really drives home what the guy means to the game and to win there. Uh, and, and to see his reaction, like we just talked about Bubba, you know, and, and that natural, you know, he's out there to really root on those kids. I think the cool thing was when Tiger won, much like 06, um, for as guarded as he is and very seldom says the wrong thing or lets you in, you know, those are two moments in, in 06 when he won and, and, you know, Steve Williams was trying to let him go and, and wouldn't let him go. Yeah. You know, and it surprised us. We were ready to cut off of it. And we realized, like, wait a minute, Tiger's not letting Steve go. We're staying, you know, John Novicka did a great job. He stayed right there. Um, and then to see his, the, the natural, you know, we did it to Joe, and then the, you know, his arms going up in the air, and and uh, and with the with the kids, it, it was was pretty special. I, I sent Lance Barrow a text right away. I just said, man, because uh, we spent some time together. Uh, uh, Augusta National Amateur Week. I had women's amateur. I went up there and sat in his office and talked to him for a little bit. And I just sent him a note. Said, man, that was awesome. Congrats, you know. And um, I thought they did a, did a great job. And, and um, you know, how could you not, when you turn that off, how could you not just say, holy cow, you know, that's a, is that a once in a lifetime of what I've just watched? I've watched really that cool. four minutes and three seconds many, many times. Yeah, Lance awesome. and Steve did, did a, a great, great job, job producing and, and directing it. And those guys, they did a, you know, it's easy to overdo that. Um, but man, when you, when you can take a step back, uh, uh, that's really really cool. I, I was happy for them. Two minutes and forty three seconds. Nance and Faldo laid out. I mean, that's uh, just that's that's incredible. Just there's nothing you can add. You know, I mean, we've done that at the NCAA's and other events. Where you, yeah. You know, you, you tell your announcers like, "Hey, replay sequence coming. Get your stuff in. Let's watch. You lay out, and then you just go through what you have. Because there, there's just nothing you can. There's nothing you can." can add at that point um, you know when you get those moments you, you want to overproduce it you want to over direct it but you you know it's the same thing with the Gus National Women's Am I mean once you realize like hey we're, you know we got all the players in and um you know, my job is to get there early and get there live, and then get the hell out of the way. Yeah. You let 
Mike Tirico set it up and you let John Del Vecchio direct it and you, you get there early and you, you stay with them and you, you get out of the way. And the only thing you can do, and we joke like it's like a um, um, like an offensive coordinator. You know, if I'm, if I'm running it down your throat, the worst thing I could do is run some triple reverse option pass that gets sacked and returned for a touchdown. You know, if I'm, if I'm running it down your throat, you better believe I'm going to continue to run it down your throat. It's the same thing when you get an event like that. Um, the worst thing you can do is try to overproduce and get in the way. You know, if you're a producer, even though you're, you're in charge, um, you get out of the way and, and let, it, let it happen. You don't need to show off gadgets and toys and tricks and replays. Man, there's nothing more raw and powerful than that that emotion that's that's happening right in front of you and if it can be done in silence even better i'm trying to quickly find the quote that uh nance gave uh to sports business journal but but he basically said the exact same thing you said which is yeah, yeah. Michael, the only thing he can do is, is you know you, you don't want to you know come up with the line and come up with the replay sequence and you have a pre-produced piece and you know yeah and the, the worst thing you can do is run that stuff you just get out of the way i thought they did a really good job we were gonna um we were going to ride this thing out and sit back and enjoy it. I never would have jumped on a moment that big. And then he also said at one point, there was nothing I could add for it. I add to it. The only thing I could do was ruin it. Yeah. And same thing for Nick, too. And I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a huge, I mean, Nick's one of my best buds. Um, so I, I always am, am pro Nick and defend Nick. But, you know, it'd be easy for him to step in and put that in context of where it ranks and, you know, Jacket 5 and Win 81. But he didn't either. And, and the two of them work together. You know, Jim's in Butler Cabin and Nick's right there. Um, so I, I think Nick gets, should get a lot of credit, too, because, you know, you're out there in the middle of the Patriots and, and the and the energy. I mean, Jim doesn't have that energy in Butler Cabin no. Nick would have. Um, so it would probably be easier for Nick to chime in and interject because you're, you are literally in the moment. You are on top of him, um, and he didn't do that. I, I think he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Whenever we talk, it's one of the best hours of my week. Uh, Brant Packer of Golf Anytime. Channel, who produced the Augusta National Women's Amateur, Drive, Chip, and Putt, the Western Intercollegiate, and the Champions Tour Mitsubishi Electric Classic, all in the month of April with more to come, including the NCAAs in May. Brant, thanks, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schoen. Jeremy, anytime, buddy. Be good. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schoen.